0: Hi everyone, it is indeed my pleasure to be able to introduce you to my friend and your speaker for this afternoon. This is your new, uh, I was gonna save this for the end, but you always start with the good things at the beginning. So Joyce Johnson is the new um, Adventist Chaplaincy Ministries Alpha number one. That's the nickname. You know how they give the presidents and their spouses the nicknames? Well, we call the uh, spouse of the ACM director Alpha One. So this is your new Alpha One, Dr. Joyce Johnson. Joyce is an educator. She is a consultant. Currently, she serves as the associate professor with the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, where she teaches in the Master of Psychology program. Now, she is a product of Christian education in that she received her PhD um, in leadership from Andrews University. She received her bachelor's and her master's from the University of Memphis in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, right now, her multidisciplinary background includes extensive work in distance learning, K through 12, um, administration, corporate leadership, and high education administration and instruction. If I could translate that for you, she's a bad baby girl <laughs> with a doctorate in the front of all of that. Um, they currently, they are blessed with a son who is in med school in Cincinnati. Uh, we call him Trey, he's Washington Johnson the third. Ladies and gentlemen, If you would give your undivided attention to my friend, your new ACM Alpha One, Dr. Joyce Johnson.
1: Thank you you so much. Um, Deborah uh, really, really embraces uh, every opportunity to create a sisterhood, and I'm so thankful and honored to be a part of that. And Deborah, I'm still learning the language, the alpha language, but she's our former first lady of ACM, and I can tell you she's already greatly, greatly missed. So I feel like I have big shoes to fill. But I wanna welcome each of you. It's it's such an honor to be here, and thank you for your presence. You make this event possible because you are present, and I'm uh, not concerned about the numbers. Uh, I do want to invite you to Please participate in our discussion today. I am here um, more as your facilitator than presenter. So uh, we want to have good discussion about our experiences along the journey of chaplaincy as spouses. And uh, more specifically, we want to talk about, oh, let's see here. Maybe it went to sleep. Um, it's working just a second ago, but we're gonna explore uh, some things that are related to our um, identities as chaplains spouses and as well as um, areas of our experiences that have created lots of challenges So um, I'm gonna invite you to, um, maybe we can manually go into it. Okay. So do we need to get rid of that? Oh, it's so easy. There we go. There we go, thank you. All right. So as I mentioned, we'll we'll talk about our, our roles. I didn't mention that, but we're gonna talk about our many diverse roles as chaplains' spouses and we'll propose some strategies for developing and maintaining identity. I don't know about you, but I've had a few times when I've wondered, um, you know, how I should be identified in this world of chaplaincy. And then we'll talk, uh, discuss some dynamics and best uh, strategies for balancing chaplaincy ministry with daily living. Anybody challenged with any of these? Does anything come to mind as we consider these objectives? Yeah, okay. So, so why don't we uh, just start with who the chaplain's spouse is? Who is the chaplain's spouse? Do you see yourself here? What, what's prominent for you, if you don't mind sharing? And hello, Joy. If you don't mind sharing, what's prominent for you on this list in terms of your roles as a chaplain's spouse? Everything, Evelyn says, everything. Okay, okay, at least half of them. Uh, And and this is by no means an exhaustive list, Mm -hmm. by no means. Um, I put spouse at the top of the list deliberately does that fit everyone is 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 that fitting for you Do you feel like that is your first role okay that that's great news great news so as you can see here we are um flexible adaptable our roles are diverse um and sometimes they're even unclear yeah if 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 you're like me you may need clarity from time to time. So um, considering these and any other roles that come to mind, what are your role challenges? How would you describe your, your role challenges? So this is a great time to uh, kind of discover your, your chaplaincy background. How many of you, can you just say what um, area of chaplaincy? We could you know consider that last but well, you, you already know your areas of chaplaincy. So, what what are your areas of chaplaincy? Military, I'm hearing here. Hi. D-O-T. Say again. Uh, Military. Okay. D-O-T. Corrections. Yeah. Okay. Great. Welcome. Please come and join us. Others. Military, healthcare, okay, great. And um, Joy Cork is here with us. Joy is uh, one of our assistant director's spouses. She's spouse rather. <laughs> She's uh, joining us on behalf of the uh, chaplaincy administration group. All right, other areas of chaplaincy, do we miss anyone? Anyone? Community chaplaincy, campus chaplaincy. Okay. Well, we have a um, um, still a variety of different kinds of experiences that we can share. Other challenges? Any anyone want to share any other role challenges you've had, you've experienced? Yes.
2: community, or friend or something, or mm-hmm. culture or something, how that affected my children. Um, I noticed, we always try to tell her, this is going to be a new adventure, I new, yeah. new people, new culture, but I noticed that she always has that that moment that she do not feel comfortable, or she feels like something is missing from the regular pastoral tradition, let's put it that way, going to the church and everything now is different. Now it's it's in the hospital, now it's in the church because Mm -hmm. it's in service, or or daddy's not home for a long period because he's at another place. You know, so that kind of challenge, how to explain to the children that sometimes daddy works extra hours, or you're
1: meeting people that
2: you sometimes don't feel comfortable I noticed that challenge
1: with my kids sometimes. Sure, thank you for sharing that and uh, we'll talk about that follow me syndrome that may trigger those events that you some of the events you just described. Anyone else? Okay. So, the call to ministry. How many of you you know you were called? You have no doubt. Great, Evelyn. Okay, you you the call to ministry. What comes with the call, and and how did you acknowledge the call to ministry in your life, and 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 while you're thinking, I'm just just going to respond. I um uh, I had to be told that the call to ministry had come to me, and um, my mother actually uh, became a Seventh-day Adventist and also a, a, a fully converted uh, Christian in her walk. She, she really, really deepened her relationship with Christ around the time of my birth. And she so I'm number six in among my siblings. I, I'm the last. <laughs> so mother shared that she had never been told that she should dedicate a child to Christ you know, while the child was in her womb, she said, but when, as soon as I learned that I should do this, I dedicated you to Christ. And, um, so, you know, all of my life, I wonder what that meant, you know, what I needed to do, you know, besides, you know, live faithfully. And then, um, the last thing that, that crossed my mind is that I'd be married to a minister. And, um, I I just so anyway over time things happened and um, that kind of solidified or validated my acknowledgement of the call to ministry, which uh, wasn't very easy for me. I'm not going to steal my story too long, but um, my call to ministry required me. Um, you know, when I met the wonderful chaplain who was a pastor at the time, we were both in our 30s. So we had lived independent lives and, you know, we were pretty settled and all of that. And um, then all of a sudden, I've got to leave this, what I thought was a great career. I had to leave my family and all of these things. So I struggled a little bit with understanding and fully acknowledging the call to ministry. And once again, my dear mother, after I'm married and having to move away from all of my family I go to her and I say mother uh, because she had been kind enough I I owned a home that was on the spot of her birthplace and I said "Uh, I think we have to move and I don't think we can manage all of these these houses and she oh such a devout Christian she said Go the way the Lord has prepared. She said, That home will burn. All of this will burn. She said, You go and do the Lord's work. So sometimes we need others to help us to acknowledge the call. So, what, what would you like to share about your experience in terms of acknowledging God's call? Or is that still questionable in the back of your mind? And somebody said, Mm hmm. <laughs> Say more (laughs) if you'd like to. Thanks for sharing that funny story.
3: Time. And so, because there was so much that had happened that I just couldn't breathe, I couldn't find the 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 silver lining. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had left the church, and then I had a weird experience. And actually, like I hardly have ever shared this, but I shared it with my kids recently, and they were they were almost very rebellious person. (laughs) And I remember being flat out drunk. Mm -hmm. Um, And somebody put me in a room and locked the door. I woke up the next morning and this friend of mine dropped me off in my room and he sat there with me in the car and he says, Evelyn, this is not your life. Mm -hmm. This is not what you've been Mom saw me because I hadn't spoken to her for a while. And she said, "You know what? You see George? He's the one you're supposed to marry." Mm-hmm.
1: Friday <laughs> <laughs> um, and a right. Gideon prayer.
3: And I was working full time doing a practicum in education, and uh, my now sister-in-law calls me and says, "You gotta come to church." And I was like, "I had a horrible day. I was working with special ed students.
4: It was a long,
3: hard day, exhausting day. Police were called in the school. It was like one of those really bad days. All I wanted to... And, sleep. and they called so much, my mother threw a dress at me, her key to her car, and said, Go to church. <laughs> I walked into the church, the small, tiny Hispanic church. You know, mm-hmm. as soon as you hear the, everybody turns around. Uh, <laughs> and everybody turns around and sitting right next to my father is George. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
3: What a story. That was like the beginning of our our path. Because I knew, I'm like, you know, you're marrying a heathen and I'm working on my spirituality. So I could not see myself as a pastor's wife. Literally. Mm -hmm. I was like, I am like the worst example of what you need as a pastor's wife. But God has blessed us immensely, opened doors that
1: we've never. Praise God.
3: literally said to me, you've been called to speak. Mm. You've been called, and I'm going to see you up there one time preaching. And I looked at her and laughed. I was like, that's not me. Like, a preacher. And a year later, I was in front of Because as I'm
1: speaking to all these people, i heard that voice saying to me, you were called to speak. Wow. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and I'm like wait, this can't be me. It was, it was shocking to make that connection. What a, a spectacular part of your journey, your ministry journey. Lots of miracles there. So it's important. I, you know, one of the points that I, I really want to make here, it's important to acknowledge the call. Sometimes someone else has to um, help you to make that acknowledgement, but um, life is much, much better. I've had, uh, we've had colleagues who, um, you know, partic- more on the pastoral side, who never moved to where their husbands go to minister. And, you know, there's some, some clear signs when the call is not acknowledged, but it's important to acknowledge the call Sometimes the call comes with you being some kind of icon, you know, voluntarily, you know, involuntarily, involuntarily, you know, people. Um, I and, and this lap this crosses over into the area of identity, but there are times when when I'm walking along and I hear people whispering. They never call my name. They say, "That's Washington Johnson's wife." That, that's that's his wife, and um, you know, whatever that means. And anyway, there's imminent change. It's imminent, you know, with the call to ministry. Uh, we The call to ministry requires special care with raising children. They become iconic in the eyes of members, in the eyes of whoever the audience is that our chaplains are serving, and then, there's this um, potential challenge of balancing the relationships, all of the different ones that are part of that sphere of your chaplaincy ministry. Uh, this pic- this photo um, depicts two happy people. But I can tell you on that particular day, I was grabbed away from work to go to a funeral of a military officer. Right in the the middle of the workday, I, I had to run home, dress, <laughs> so talk about the imminent change, being flexible and adaptable. So we talked about balancing relationships. There's a lot that comes with acknowledging the call, but um, I wanna spend, you know, just choose one area there because uh, we don't have a lot of time, but Let's just talk a little about the importance of balancing the most important relationship on the chaplaincy journey that's a part of of the spouse and the chaplain, and that's the marriage. Um, I gathered um, a lot of this from Martha and Paul Davis. That's a pastor, actually a Baptist minister, uh, but he publishes a lot, he and his wife, about family and I, I kind of like his blogs and one thing he says is that it's important to make expectations clear. So who, who needs to know the clear expectations? Who within the sphere needs to have uh, clarity on expectations? Who do you, yes? Okay, So those who are being served need to understand um, expectations, whatever they are, and they're different from er- for everyone, right? They're, they're not always the same. I've learned that uh, our, our audience, our audiences vary in their needs. They vary in personalities, and I mean the entire audience, even if it's a church. It, you know there's there's a personality sometimes associated so the expectations will continually change but whatever they need to be they they should be made clear to whoever it is that that we're serving any other groups any is there anyone else who um might need to have clarity on expectations mm-hmm -hmm. What is expected, what is not expected, and which might jump down to the
0: boundaries, but unless it is clearly expected that if I travel, you're going to travel with me. Mm -hmm. If I am, oh my goodness, it's been (laughs) so (laughs) long. What is the acronym when you move? PCS. PCS.
1: We were stationed in Okinawa. We had the Adventist Church, but of
0: course, you know, your your husband your spouse is a military chaplain. They pastor everybody, mm-hmm. and we happened to have a base church, and our base church was on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: it just so happened. Did I say where we were stationed? Cause I don't know if I Okinawa. Should, okay, so I don't know if I should say this next part. Oh.
0: Mm. they loved us where we felt condemnation mm-hmm. wow Mm-hmm. Expect that where you get it, where you feel it. You got the foundation at home. But just because we, our denominational affiliation is set up for the Adventist, it does not mean that the people that we worship with love and in, interact with on Sunday, that they're what
1: day you're going to church. You know, to church? And it's just to, to, to that was a longer story than I anticipated to tell you, but the expectation was crazy. <laughs> Good story. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. exactly.
2: Mm. that is the chapel you know the chapel sometimes ask for the chapel to be open more time because they want to have the opportunity because they're going to go to the church regularly because mm. they're working
1: Absolutely. I, I learned that. Depends in my area anymore. Absolutely. A- every audience served will potentially have different expectations. So that's where the adaptability comes in. Thank you all for sharing those experiences. Um, Davis, the Davis couple says it's important to practice Sabbath rest. Now, now they're I told you they're Baptists, but they're they're talking about that sacred time and you know for seventh day adventists it has a much deeper meaning but that is important um i don't know if your chaplains are busiest on sabbath or not like pastors maybe not maybe not quite the same way but it's important to be intentional very intentional about the sabbath rest um, it's you know a day that could potentially be one of the, the hardest work days for a minister and then um, you have to set the boundaries that best serve you whatever they are kind of connected to the the, the expectations um, suggestion here but what boundaries do you need so that you can maximize your role in ministry, in chaplaincy ministry. Um, You know, there's no way to say it different in terms of describing what you're a part of. If you're a part of this chaplain's life, unless there's a deliberate separation, you are technically a part of chaplaincy ministry. So again, the expectations and boundaries are are similar. Any boundaries come to mind right now that, that might need to be set? Okay. To do as a All right. Yeah. Beautiful. Involvement. Okay. Yes. Uh, I think time, time, the time that we call. I'm raising my hand with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, go right ahead. Continue. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. Time management for me, or, or just time in general? I I can potentially get pulled in lots of different directions for uh you know activities sometimes that are sought after they're They're not even you know, a part of the the regular agenda, but they they're just added to the 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 big stack of things and um so it's it's really important to set boundaries. um i I work remotely, and i I sometimes feel that my uh, my work is perceived or my role is being maybe on vacation sometimes, <laughs> but it's it's very, very involved and um so I, I find myself having to set boundaries and reset boundaries because of my need to have the time to do the things that are important to me, the time to um, identify with who I believe that I am and what you know, God has called me to do, and at the same time, support my chaplain. So big balancing act there. So he says, remember, or they say, remember why you got married. You know, we're talking about balancing marriage and ministry to glorify God here. And then making the marriage the most important ministry. That, is, that, is that easy work or is that, is that hard work? What? Okay. Easy. <laughs> Piece of cake. So, so what can help to make Uh, marriage the the most important ministry what what are some things that can or considerations I guess that come to mind in when you're thinking of making marriage the most important part of your ministry Intentionality. intentionality dual right dual intentionality yes And I appreciated what the Hernandez family shared the other night. I don't know if you were in the Rudd Arena when they talked about, uh, Roger talked about being, uh, well, the wife shared first, about him being a superstar in the family. And sometimes the chaplain's role can seem really, really prominent, and it is. But that balance is needed, so... We have to sometimes reel back in, you know, uh, the chaplain him or herself to make sure that um, the marriage is the most important ministry. And then engaging in proactive life planning. What does that mean to you? Engaging in proactive life planning. And we're talking about a strategy for balancing marriage and ministry. Someone talked about moves. Does that trigger any thoughts about proactivity as it relates? A black folder that contains each child's birth certificate, all the pertinent information,
3: a copy of your uh, shot record. Everything is in that binder and the goals of each child. We, I always end up planning ahead. You have to plan ahead. We plan ahead for this move, and already, like, last move, I started planning for my next move. Does that make sense? Mm. So I put away in our house things that I know I'm not going to get to, and I know by the next PCS, this is what's going to go first. So it's it's just my craziness, but if I don't do it, I would end up uh, cluttered and I can't stand clutter, so I've already, even though we have one year left where we're at, I've already started getting rid of stuff and preparing for my next
1: meeting. Wow. So it's, <laughs> if you have to be intentional, otherwise I don't get to it. That's good. You know, intentional and proactive. Very, very good. That's a good example, and that has to be very prevalent for if all, if not most, military families. Um so moving along, because our time will be uh, gone before we know it here, uh, follow me. And and you've kind of talked a lot about this, the moves, the identity. Have you had the experience where your identity has had to shift with, with um, one of those moves or a new assignment? I'm there right now. Thank you, Deborah. She's such a wonderful mentor. I am there right now with the... Physical move, my change in identity, uh, two for one, I'm not on the payroll. My, my, my chaplain is, <laughs> yes, friendship bonds, honestly thought we were in our retirement uh, location in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, I like living there. <laughs> well, I'm packing now to move to Maryland, so, <laughs> yes. So, this is very literal. You know, Jesus told the disciples to follow. He, he told them to leave behind, you know, most of what they owned, and in some cases, family. So um, is there anything that you uh, feel could make this follow me directive, command, because we've acknowledged the call? We'll have to assume that it's the voice of God? telling us to go a certain way. So what can make that as smooth as possible? I could use your counsel right now. <laughs> Embracing it. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, I've been reading um, S.N. Haskell's book, Um I think it's the Seer at Patmos. I think that was the one. He's got about three books that I, I really enjoy. And if if you haven't, he he's, you know, an overlooked prophet in our church. You know, Ellen White has beautiful writings, but you've got to read Haskell's too if you get a chance. Great, great reading. But one thing he talked about in that book, and, and I'm I'm probably not going to get exactly the context, but he talks about going the way the lord prepares you know the importance of you know not seeking to always understand but to just go the way the lord prepares he uses the example of how um when all of the uh, captives in babylon were invited to come back to israel after the 70 years and the majority of them stayed by, or many of them stayed by, and as you know, they they moved to Persia or whatever, but God's plan was always for them to come back, and um, by Esther's day, so Mordecai's family stayed by, and you remember what happened. God saw down the line that persecution that was coming, and Sometimes those places where we are can be ever so comfortable. You know, every, everything's right. Great, great school for the kids, uh, great place to live, all of that. But he says it's critical to go the way the Lord has prepared. And um, I think I have learned to find peace in that, you know, not understanding anything. We just sold a house in Maryland in 2020. <laughs> I'm like, huh? Just sold a house there in 2020. So, you know, we're now headed back there and that home is sold. Okay. God God will work that out. So as we, um, you know, continue our discussion and, and, and begin to wrap up, I want to talk about um, self-care. We're talking about all of the um the challenges we face in our roles are many many different roles and it 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 can really wear on you there are times when um i i'll just turn to my husband when we're like on this fast track you know when it feels like roller skates and and we're you know jet setting here jet setting there and and, you know, here at this church or doing whatever as a part of this chaplaincy ministries, I'll turn to him and I say, I don't think we're gonna live very long. You know, I, I, this, is, this is a lot, you know, I'm not sure. And anyway, self-care is important and that same type of intentionality and, and proactivity that we talked about earlier has to be a part of this. And I, I just have a few quotes. I, I love the spirit of prophecy, and I hope you don't mind. Um, if, if someone could read uh, the first one and then the second and then the third, and then we'll talk about this, this idea that you cannot pour from an empty cup. You have to take care of yourself first. It's critical. So someone please read the body quote up there, and there's some element of body that corresponds there. Anyone, if you can, are you able to see it clearly?
0: Every generation has been growing weaker and disease of every form afflicts the race. Thousands of poor mortals with deformed, sickly bodies, shattered nerves, and gloomy minds are dragging out of a miserable existence. Mm -hmm. Satan's power upon the human family increases. If the Lord should not soon come and destroy
1: his power, the earth would here long be depopulated. Wow, wow. So without, you know, with our best efforts to stay healthy, we're still countered, you know, by all of the ills that are here on the planet as a result of the fall. So it's important, you know, our bodies are deteriorating. We, We can try, you know, and we can do our best, and we'll talk about some of those things that we can do to support self-care, but sin has done its work. It's done its job. And uh, someone read the second quote. I was shown
2: that Satan's power is especially exercised upon the people of God. Many were presented before me in a doubting, despairing condition. The infirmities of the body affect the mind, a cunning and powerful enemy attends our steps and employs his strength and skills in trying to turn us out of the right way. It is too often the case that the people of God are not on their watch,
0: Mm. therefore
2: are ignorant of his devices. He works by means which will best conceal himself from view.
1: Okay. So you can see that we're, we're targets, um, you know, of the enemy. We're just natural targets because we're people of God. We are, are serving, you know, alongside ministers of the gospel. And, um, it's important just to be cognizant of that, but you know, I, uh, in the same, um, some of these same writings from S.N. Haskell, I also read that God watches every move Satan makes. So were it not for his grace, you know, we would probably be consumed mentally, physically, and, um, you know, obviously our souls. But uh, read that last quote, and then I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this. Um, someone read the last one.
3: law, with its consequent suffering and premature death, has so long prevailed that these results are regarded as the appointed laws of humanity. But God did not create the race in such a feeble condition. This state of things is not the work of providence, but of man. It has been brought about by wrong
1: habits, oh.
3: by violating the laws that God has made to govern
1: man. Hmm. All right. All right, it sounds like a little contradictory when I, you know, talked about what what will naturally happen, but it naturally occurs when we violate those habits. And what are your thoughts about this? In any any reaction in terms of self-care, we're talking about being fully equipped to do the things that are so demanded of you as you in your chaplaincy role, chaplain spouse role. Well, keep thinking. Share your thoughts at any time. But I just I just wanted to to speak a little more on the mind part. Um, we potentially have a mental health crisis here in the United States. This is not even worldwide, but this is from 2021. The population at that time was um, 332 million 915073, and um, I'm sure some of you are familiar with the National Health Interview Survey. It's been um, conducted since 19 about 1957. So every year, you know, either via in, it's done in person or via internet. But there's lots of data gathered about people's state of health within the United States. And here's what they found in um, 2021. And keep that population in mind as you look at the percentages, and then we have some raw numbers for some of these, but people who just feel anxious, worried, you know, 11% of you know, our population here. Uh, you know, or you know, the number that was surveyed, which potentially corresponds with the same percentage in the population. And then depression. At least almost five percent of the people surveyed, you know, had experienced feelings of depression. Uh, people go to physicians' offices with this, you know, their primary care physician for a mental health diagnosis. Fifty-five million, and then. There are many who go to the emergency department uh, for the same cause and that's almost five million suicides and you see here the deaths per 100,000 in the population. So it's just something to be cognizant of. We are not immune as you know, people of God. We saw earlier where we're targets, we're targets. So we have to give added effort extra effort to self care. The work of chaplaincy, ministry is important but it's never more important than you. It's not more important than your marriage, your health, your spirituality. Um, Just keep that in mind. We have to take care of ourselves and um, if we don't, and and Evelyn, I hope you don't mind, She, she shared earlier that you know, your body says, "Okay, you won't do it. I'll do it." You know, I'm paraphrasing, but you know our our bodies will let us know when we have given them grave neglect. And um, not gonna beat a dead horse here, but um the seventh day um, Adventist health study, um, you you I'm sure you're familiar with many health studies that have come out of Loma Linda. But these are just a few findings that I thought were really interesting and, and they were good takeaways for me, just so that we know, you know, we've got some good things on our side. We really do. You know, we're all because, you know, as we read in the quote from Ellen White, we're all kind of deteriorating because of wrong habits, primarily. Sin at the base of everything. But you can see here that. These kinds of that among Seventh-day Adventists, and I'm just going to pick a few, we have a lower overall mortality rate or incidence, overall lower uh, mortality and then incidence of cardiovascular disease as well as many cancers. And, you know, we have God's grace to attribute that to as well as some things that uh, he's helped us to know to do in our lifestyles. Uh, vegetarians, vegans um, have less, vegetarian Evidence have less hypertension, and you can see here lower cholesterol issues. Um, just skipping around here, red meat eaters have higher rates of colon cancer, came out of the study. These are some of the, some of the noteworthy findings. Uh, nut consumption, is higher nut consumption is associated with lower risk of coronary heart disease. And we see here that uh, drinking milk can um, result in lower rates of colon and rectal cancers, but increased risk of breast and prostate cancers. So, you know, hopefully uh, this was submitted to the team here. You can have access to it, but you can see that if we just follow the science, is proving what we read in the quote. If we follow some of the right habits, it will certainly increase our self-care. There was something on here. Oh, tomato consumption. This was surprising. Higher tomato consumption is associated with lower rates of prostate and ovarian cancers. Hmm, Interesting finding. So um, these are things to keep in mind as you, you think of healthcare. Uh, you know, we don't have to go far to find the right habits. We know what to do. We need some power. We need some Holy Ghost power to help us to, to get out there and take a walk. We need, um, you know, maybe to overcome certain things in our diet, to incorporate other things into the diet uh, but we have the knowledge, we have access to it. And you know, contrary to years ago, it's now free, it's at our fingertips, we can Google it, <laughs> anything we wanna find, and of course, you know the eight laws of health. Is, is anyone, does anyone have a, like, a, like a, a good story to self-care story to share? Any, any kind of um, transformation experience? All right, well, I'll just share, uh, uh, you know, very transparently. I um, grew up always um, pretty much from maybe age seven or eight as being overweight, and I'm still struggling, Um, but I've had fluctuations throughout my lifetime, and guess what? When When my son was born... I passed on those same habits to him. And my son um, reached, he, he topped 300. And I was honestly afraid for his life um, at the time. He started to have asthma, um, you know, he this was a, an 11-year-old, we went to see the pediatrician and his blood pressure was high, and I was, so, I, I was in a just just a, you know, a situation that was very, very challenging. and you know, um, I had just prior to his birth, I had two losses, one after him. So you know the one that makes it you, you love him almost to death, okay? <laughs> and that was almost literal. So you know, where you know the snacks, the, the unhealthy foods and everything. And over time, uh, my husband and I actually prayed. You know, I'm I'm struggling with weight too. My husband's never struggled. If you've seen him, he's this thin. But anyway, my son and I um, were struggling, so we prayed. We went to Weight Watchers. You know, we got just a little bit of a jump start. Didn't help a whole lot. We uh, I was homeschooling around that time, and he didn't want to do the PE. You know, it was it was just tough. We bought bikes and nothing worse. We just kept praying. We we bought a prayer journal and we would just kneel every day, and and put that issue in the prayer journal. And um, by the time he got to high school, he said, "You know, I need to I need to lose weight." You know, he had this realization. God started to answer prayers. He started running. He uh, you know, and I'm proud to say that today he has a little GQ body. You know, praise God. He lost, um, you know, probably about 150, 160 pounds and um, has been very committed. He bought food scales. He reads every label to to find out, you know, what the calories are and he's studying to be a physician. <laughs> so, he's trying to model a healthy lifestyle. So, you know, it is possible um, you know, we with what we have, we we you know, we're in a situation where we're in a, we're on a planet that is spiraling downward. So, but we have to take advantage of what we have, and God will bless it. I, uh, as I mentioned, I'm still struggling, but I try really hard to get a walk in. You know, five, sometimes six days a week to to try and, you know, counter some of these things that are going to naturally come upon us if we don't do anything differently. Any anybody, any other experiences? All right, we are, um, so (laughs) spiritual health, total health. You may have seen this article in, um, I think, um, what was Adventist World in July of 2019. It was a great article, and uh, if someone could read that quote at the top, just read the whole thing here on the right side.
3: Correlation has also been established between healthy spirituality and avoiding certain physical conditions such as hypertension,
2: cancer, Alzheimer's disease, and cardiovascular disease. The question is to find out why this is so. Three mechanisms have been highlighted,
1: healthy behaviors, social support, and adherence to spiritual practice. Amen. Amen. So you can see here that, you know, the healthy lifestyle is great, but without that, Social support. You know, I had to find someone to help me. Um, you know, to be accountable to those those habits that I wanted to change and and the new ones that I wanted to embrace. But most importantly, is the spiritual practice. So, what does spiritual practice mean to you? You know, the other two areas are pretty 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 explanatory. But what does spiritual practice mean to you, in terms of health? Self-care and overall well-being. What does that look like? Maybe that's a better way to put it. What does that look like for you?
3: Like, I've automatically started getting up at 6.30 in the morning without an alarm clock, and I'm just awake as can be. And I'm sitting there, what am I going to do? And I started picking up um, the Bible. And not just the Bible, but trying to find stories in the Bible that I could relate to.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's a
3: lot in the Bible that I could relate to. But for me, you know, especially because of being in, in the field of mental health and how much the correlation has been connected to spiritual health, I started making it a point to start my day in God's word.
1: Amen. And
3: it has made a complete um, change, not only in my behavior, but my optimism. Like, because my, my husband's like, you tend to be kind of negative. And I was like, I'm like, I can always always find the bad, but that's because I was taught to always look for the bad. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when I started my practice of starting my day with God, that changed, and I, I'm always looking at the good.
1: Amen. And so I've,
3: like, even my kids are like, you're so, so much of a happier person. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to get up, and the first thing you do when you get up, even before you do anything else, is you open God's word. And I'm like, and you guys have it easy, because you have it on your phone. Like just open it and you know, there's so many apps there now that you can just connect with God in such a simple way. Amen. So that has completely changed my outlook.
1: Amen. All right. Our our time's running out, but anyone else, what what does spiritual practice look like for you? I that's beautiful. Yes.
2: Daughter's name is Dalia, but I have my niece that I practically grow up with. My niece and her name is Paola. And some kind of talking, I don't know, mom brain. Sometimes I told my daughter Paola, and my, my daughter's like, I know Paola. I'm like, oh, I know. But then I say, wait, I say her name. So in my mind's like, God bless her, whatever she.
1: it sounds like adherence to the verse that says to pray without ceasing so we you know I know this 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 all may not seem directly related but we've talked about some of the challenges we faced uh, on our chaplaincy spouse journey but we we need those coping mechanisms it's important to have healthy bodies, to to do this work that God has called us to do. It's important to have healthy spiritual lives. Very important. I I can't survive without the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day. That That's my daily prayer. I've learned that if I ask for the Holy Spirit, everything else will come. I don't even know what else I need. I don't even know what the day is going to bring, so... I just invite the Holy Spirit to come into my heart. And, um, you know, and sometimes I feel like I even have hindrances to to the Holy Spirit's indwelling power. But I want to encourage you to um, not be weary in well-doing. God has called each of us to do this great work. And in due season we will reap if we don't faint and the way that we keep from fainting (laughs) is through that spiritual practice that social support and uh, that self-care you know we've got to take care of ourselves and god has called us to do in in our own individual spheres something unique something great in many cases and I just say, enjoy the journey. It's, it's go the way God's prepared and enjoy the journey. All right. So I, at this, I think we've exhausted all of our time, but what questions or comments quickly do you have? Any closing comments or questions? All right, thank you very much for your time and uh, for your contributions.
4: Um, It's been therapeutic, Joel, to be here amongst you. It gives us an insight, I guess, as to um, the challenges. Thank you for your service, I will say. Um, Thank you, Sister Washington, for For sharing as well. I have uh, two gifts that I need to give out today, and I've got them behind my back. I don't want you to see what they are, but I I will ask who is the youngest, or or the, how would I say, would I say the youngest, or the least time serving as a chaplain's spouse here in the house? Who is the, 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 I would say in the rookie year, or the least time serving as a chaplain's spouse. So for that, I'd have to point to each one of you. You've got 32 years, is it? No, I'm not because you're that, I mean, because you're married to my friend. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you've got about what, 15 years? Uh, close to 20. Close to 20, oh, I wasn't that far off. Young lady, you have around? 36. Whoa, 36, okay. God bless you, wow. <laughs> Um, sister, how long have you been a chaplain's wife? Um, maybe just, um, started, um, September, September of, of last year. Okay, so about a year and a couple of months. Okay, uh, young lady, you over there. How long has it been <laughs> She laughs. laughs? Um I I'm going to say 5 years, but it's actually like more time so. Okay. I five. All right. How about you? Um my husband just started last year. Um just moved in here last February. Last February. Okay. Yeah. So of last year 2021? 2021? Yeah. Okay. So okay. What are we in, July, right? It's about a year and a half-ish, more or less. Okay. Uh, You in the back, sister in the green. Yes, you. you, You're green, the bright green. Yes. How about chaplaincy, chaplaincy per se? 14 years, okay. And how about you? Okay, so, so it looks like the youngest year is between y'all two here. So I don't know how to count, though. You said February and March, April, May, June, right? June. That's uh, 14, 16 months. And September, October, November, December, January. So I think, yes, you might be the youngest. So, okay. <laughs> so you're the rookie. Congratulations, by the way. Uh-oh. Anyone top 36 years of. Chaplain's wife? And you know what? I better redo that. How about 35? 34? It's like 30. Okay, we'll we'll still accept it. Anyone top 30 here? No. This one is for you. you. I need to add one thing before we close. Um, Thank you again. I met Chaplain uh, Washington a few years back in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, I won't say how many years ago, but there's something, there was always something about him. When I found out that he became who he is now, who you know, how, it, it warmed my heart. Uh, for each of you, I want to thank you for standing by your husbands, because their work is a specialized work, one that, as I understand it, uh, the church did not give enough importance to. And right now we're realizing how important it really is. So thank you for your service. Um, Let me apologize for my colleagues, okay? Uh, I know your husband all too well, we studied together. Um, You have won heaven. If it were by works, you could hand out crowns, so to speak, but having said that, let me pray for you in a special way, okay? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, Thank you for calling special people to a special work. I want to recognize uh, my, my colleagues, the chaplains here represented, but above all, their wives. Uh, Lord, with all that they go through, we've been reminded today of the importance of understanding your call upon their lives as well. And I pray your blessing upon them. The adjustments, uh, the, the, the need to, 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 to measure expectations, as it were, it's a challenging thing, truly. But Lord, we believe that you've called every single one of them. So gift them, Lord, with a double portion of your spirit. And Lord, may the ministry that they can give to their husbands and alongside of their husbands be blessed uh, beyond measure. Uh, thank you once again for Sister Washington, your blessing upon her and her husband as they lead out, as it were, this very important ministry. And be with us, Lord. Find us faithful as our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.